So as I mentioned, this is week one of our new four-week sermon series called The Moral of the Story. Uh, throughout the month of September, we're going to be talking about several famous stories that, that only appear in the Gospel of Luke, two of which have become uh, so familiar even in popular culture that even the most secular person usually recognizes and knows something about them. In the coming weeks, we'll be talking about the stories of the prodigal son and Zacchaeus. Today, we're talking about the story of the Good Samaritan. And I am, I'm convinced that at least part of the reason that uh, these stories are so famous is because of something that Jesus knew, that the, the storytelling art is powerful and uh, incredibly effective and an effective way of, of evoking in us emotional uh, and sometimes spiritual responses, which is to say the moral or teaching is sometimes best conveyed uh, not by simply giving a commandment, although Jesus certainly gave commandments from time to time, but Jesus also knew that the um, moral or teaching is sometimes best conveyed through storytelling. And of course, the, the authors of the Gospels knew the same thing. Uh, we're going to get to our specific story for today here shortly. During my sophomore year of college, I read a book that strongly influenced and actually continues to influence my worldview. It's called Night by an author named Elie Wiesel. Uh, I'm sure some of you have read it. If not, I would highly recommend it. In just over a hundred pages, he tells one of the most one of the most moving and uh, disturbing stories you'll ever read. Night is about Elie Wiesel's experience with his father in the Nazi concentration camps at Auschwitz and Buchenwald. Um, he was a teenager at the time. He survived the experience, obviously. Uh, his father did not. Now, by the time I was a sophomore in college, I had, of course, studied world history and knew about the Holocaust. I understood, of course, that the Nazi regime had been an incarnation of evil in the modern world. But Elie Wiesel's first-person account of one of the darkest events in human history allowed me to, to empathize in a way that I had not up to that point of my life. Because when it comes to helping us relate to historical events, storytelling is vastly superior to just straightforward nonfiction history. And I say that as a history buff. I'm the son of a history teacher. Uh, I love history, just reading history, but, but storytelling uh, really in, impacts us in a different way. And in the case of the historic, um, a historical event like the Holocaust, um, which is so often talked about just in terms of the statistics, right, the, the millions of innocent lives that were lost, it is, it's sometimes hard to connect with the personal experience of the countless souls who make up those statistics, or at least that was true for me at the tender age of 19 during my sophomore year of college. And then I read Night. I read this, this harrowing, heartbreaking, um, almost unimaginable tale of someone else's experience. And for the first time in my life, I think, I truly realized just how blessed I am to have been born where I was born, to have been born when I was born, and to be born into the family into which I was born. And more importantly, uh, and more to Ellie Bazell's point, I realized that those uh, blessings come with a certain degree of responsibility. 
1986, he won the Nobel Peace Prize for his work. This was just a, a few years before I read Night. And in his acceptance speech, he talked about the, the gratitude that should come from and the responsibility that must come with the blessings that we receive in our lives. He said, every moment is a moment of grace. Every hour an offering. Not to share them would mean to betray them. Our lives no longer belong to us alone. They belong to those who need us desperately. And that is why I swore, Elie Wiesel wrote, never to be silent whenever and wherever human beings endure suffering and humiliation. He said, we must always take sides. <laughs> Neutrality helps the oppressor, never the victim. Silence encourages the tormentor, never the tormented. Put another way, in the words of one of the great Christian preachers of the past century, uh, a, a man named William Sloan Coffin, quote, not to take sides is effectively to weigh in on the side of the stronger. And of course, our faith tradition is absolutely unambiguously clear on this point. When the authors of the Old Testament tell God's faithful, when they, when they command God's faithful to care for the widow, the orphan, the poor, and the stranger, that refrain that comes up over and over again in the Old Testament, they are talking about, about taking sides. Specifically, they are urging those who have influence and opportunity and power to advocate for uh, the vulnerable and the suffering. And standing in the tradition of the law and the prophets that he inherited, uh, Jesus throughout his ministry makes this point over and over again, especially in one of his most famous stories. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. I'm going to read uh, verses 25 to 29 to begin with. This kind of sets up the story of the Good Samaritan, and then we'll come back to the story itself uh, a little bit later. Listen, friends, for the Word of God as it is proclaimed by God's servant the evangelist Luke. <clears throat> Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you've, you've given the right answer. Do this and you will live but wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So before we, we finish the story, before we actually get to the story of the, of the Good Samaritan, um, one of Jesus' most famous stories only in Luke's gospel, you need to know what... Um, Luke is talking about when he says lawyer. So when he says lawyer, he does not mean an attorney like we think of, someone who practices civil or criminal law. In his context, uh, it means a teacher of the law of Moses, which is to say a religious scholar. And so when this religious scholar stands up to quote unquote test Jesus as a teacher of the law of Moses, he already knows, or he thinks he knows, what he has to do to inherit eternal life. He wants to know if Jesus knows. And spoiler alert, Jesus does indeed know. Both Jesus and this lawyer agree that the key to salvation, which means the key to living in a right relationship with God, is to, is to keep the two great commandments, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so when the lawyer says to Jesus, yeah, but, 
But who's my neighbor? Luke tells us that he's trying to, to justify himself. In fact, the implied question here is, who is not my neighbor? Jesus. Who do I not have to love as I love myself? And Jesus knows, of course, that the lawyer is asking the wrong question. And so he says, well, let me tell you a story. Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged, bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, that's two full day's wages for laborers, gave them to an innkeeper and said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think? was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers. He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. So in the context of this passage, in, in the first century, there, there are three characters who uh, would have been considered community leaders, three characters who enjoyed influence and opportunity and power uh, in the society in which Jesus lived and taught. First, the lawyer who asked him the question in the first place, and then the, two, the first two characters in the story, the priest and the Levite. So at first blush, we might expect the lawyer to identify with the priest and the Levite. They were kind of social peers. But one of the things that makes this story so powerful is that it draws Jesus' audience, uh, specifically the lawyer, to, to empathize with the unnamed victim. That's because in the ancient world, being attacked uh, on a road by bandits was a, was a common danger. It happened all the time. The lawyer, who normally had power and control, would have been readily um, able to identify with the, the victim in the story. And so, for maybe the first time in his life, he would be able to picture himself as vulnerable and at the mercy of others. That is the, the power of storytelling, after all. It draws us into the story, and he would have expected that either of his fellow community leaders, right, the priest or the Levite, both of whom were fellow believers in God and fellow students of the law, he would have expected one of them to have stopped to help him. Instead, the only one who bothered to stop was the one in this passage who Luke's readers would immediately have viewed as uh, the stranger but also a very undesirable stranger because as a first century Jewish uh, audience would look at it, the Samaritan was ritually unclean and a religious heretic and a social outcast. And not only that, but back in the ninth chapter of Luke, so just a few verses before the passage we read, um, Luke tells us that Jesus and his disciples had traveled through Samaria and that the Samaritans would not receive them. <laughs> they would not show them any hospitality, which was kind of required 
in the ancient world. And so the, the Samaritan, as we read it in Luke's gospel uh, in the 10th chapter, would have been considered an unclean, heretical, inhospitable social outcast. And not only that, but the road from Jerusalem to Jericho does not go through Samaria. <laughs> so he would have been a foreigner as well. That's five strikes against the Samaritan. And just to be fair, Samaritans would have felt the same way about Jews. With all this in mind, the one person in the story that the lawyer would never consider to be his neighbor turns out to be the most neighborly. <laughs> Unlike the priest and the Levite, the Samaritan in Jesus' story is unselfish. He's compassionate. He's generous. He's willing to inconvenience himself in order to help the man who was hurt. He was actually willing to put himself at risk because bandits on the highway were a common thing. And that's the role model that Jesus lifts up to this religious scholar, challenging him to push the boundaries of who he considers his neighbors to be. And in so doing, he changes the focus of the story. It's subtle and we often miss it, but it's there. The important question is not who is my neighbor, do you notice that? That's what the lawyer asked initially, who is my neighbor? The important question is, to whom should I be a neighbor? <laughs> what is my responsibility? Not who, who can I, who do I need to consider to be my neighbor? That's not, it's not about them, it's about me. Who am I supposed to be a neighbor to? Instead of talking about who is the neighbor to be loved, Jesus focuses on uh, who is the neighbor to the person in need. He shifts the emphasis from the object of mercy to the giver of mercy. When Jesus tells the lawyer, go and do likewise, what he's telling him is that it's the responsibility of God's faithful to side with those who are vulnerable. He's saying, follow the example of this darn Samaritan, a Samaritan of all things. Can you imagine a Samaritan? Well, yeah, be like that guy, the stranger among you who is willing to look past differences in order to help a neighbor in need, Jesus is saying it's your responsibility, lawyer, as God's faithful to help the suffering, help the oppressed, help those in your midst who are exploited and overlooked. Drawing on the tradition of Jesus, William Sloan Coffin said, not to take sides is effectively to weigh in on the side of the stronger. Drawing on the tradition of the Old Testament prophets, Elie Wiesel said, we must always take sides. Challenging a religious scholar to think more broadly than he used to, which is not often easy to do with religious scholars, Jesus said, go and do likewise. That's the moral of this, one of Jesus' most famous stories. Uh, you may know the name Fiorello LaGuardia. If you've ever flown into New York, that's who the airport is named after. He was the, the mayor of New York City during the Great Depression. And there's a story about a day that he was presiding at what was called the police court. The police court was um, where minor crimes were adjudicated. And it was a, it was a bitterly cold day uh, during the Great Depression. And they brought into court this, this trembling elderly man who was charged with stealing a loaf of bread. The man admitted to the crime. Uh, he said he was only trying to feed his family because they were starving. LaGuardia said, uh, I have to punish you. The law is clear and makes no exception. Rules are rules. Um, I have to sentence you to a fine of, of $10, a princely sum in the 1930s. But he was reaching into his pocket as he said it. 
and he added, here's the $10 for your fine. Furthermore, I'm going to fine everybody in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a man has to steal bread in order to eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. The elderly man, having at last been treated by a neighbor, as a neighbor by his fellow citizens, left the courtroom that day with $47.50. Go and do likewise, Jesus said. Friends, I know we think we know the story of the Good Samaritan, but it's, there's more to it than I think we uh, sometimes realize. The story of the Good Samaritan actually challenges us to view every one of our neighbors as if they are fellow children of God, whatever differences we have among us. But even more than that, it challenges us to, to show up in the world as if it's our responsibility to be the hands and feet of Christ in the world. There are no other hands and feet of Christ in the world besides us. And even more than that, it commands us to do so even when it's inconvenient, even when it's risky, even when it pushes us outside our comfort zones which it always will, to side with those in need, to side with those on the margins, to side with those who are vulnerable or suffering. We are commanded to act as if it is our responsibility, because it is. May it be so. Amen.